Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to Winnipeg Westman guard Anna Kernahan as the team finishes their season with a silver medal in the national championship this weekend, along to Ryerson in Kingston, Ontario. Plus, we talk to Maratatesh of The Athletic as the Jets' season looks like it's probably not going to be a playoff season. So what can they do down the stretch? What is the offseason going to start to look like? Well, we start to paint the picture on the podcast. March Madness tonight, the Tar Heels and Jayhawks. They get underway in about uh, an hour and 15 minutes down in New Orleans. So that was the men's Division I championship up here in Canada. The women's title was decided yesterday with the Ryerson Rams beating the Winnipeg Westman 70-48, to ending their really awesome season. And a member of the Westman, Anna Kernahan, second-year guard, joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. Anna, first of all, how I know it's probably still a bitter, uh, sweet loss yesterday, but have you taken time to look back at the season as a whole and, and thought about just how great it really was? Definitely. I mean, not the end result we wanted, but obviously it's still been an amazing season. It still doesn't feel real to me that it's actually over. I mean, it's only been a day, but um, I think in the future, looking back on this season, um, I'll have nothing but good memories of it. So you go into it uh, with a lot different look than your rookie season where you, you ha- you're basically forced to do a lot in your rookie season because mm-hmm. of the injury to Faith Hezekiah, for those who don't know. She comes back. Kiana Giles transfers, Keelan Fillowich transfers. All of a sudden you have this kind of bounty, this big three really. So going into mm-hmm. the season, what did you think this team was capable of? Um, I mean, going in, we knew our goal all along was a national championship um, just because we had that much talent, um, so much depth and whatnot. But um yeah, I mean, I knew I had to take on a different role this year compared to my first year, uh, but it was really easy to do just being surrounded by all those other great players. What do you think you learned from them that you'll take forward the rest of your career? Um, honestly, just watching how hard all three of them work, I think that is something that I will always take with me. Um, just learning from their work ethic, their drive, all that. Um, yeah, that's, that's one thing that really stuck out to me. So let's go back to the Canada West final. You lose it to Saskatchewan, but you still know you're going into this tournament, this the national championship, the final eight. Mm-hmm. You're seated number three, and you win the first game pretty handily. The second game, it's Queens. It's the home team. And I asked Faith yeah. about this last week. Did the hostile environment in Saskatoon prepare you for the hostile environment in Queens going against the home team? Oh, absolutely. I mean... Um... The, Sask- the Saskatchewan gym was definitely a lot bigger than the Queen's gym, I would say, and I do think they had more fans, but honestly, once once you're there on the court, they sound they sounded equally as loud, but you also just kind of have to tune it out. But I do think um, our games against Saskatchewan really helped prep us for Queen's uh, in that semifinal game. So you, you're so close to reaching the national championship. Queen's takes out Saskatchewan, and then you're in this just absolute back-and-forth thriller. What was it like <laughs> yeah. being out there? How tense was it? It was <laughs> it was so tense. I honestly, I think the bench might have been more stressed than us, though, because we just get so caught up in the moment. But uh, I remember talking to a, a few of my other teammates who were on the bench, and they said they were just 
so stressed out they thought they were going to pass out from the stress but yeah on the court it was stressful as well don't get me wrong well, I was watching it from home and I was stressed out. You know, I I, yeah. I wanted you guys to win because it would be good for the program. But, you know, watching the fourth quarter, y'all kept missing free throws. And I was just thinking, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen here? But y- you made know. it through. And so what was it like when the final horn sounded and, and you knew you were going to play for a national title? That was that was just an amazing feeling just because it was such a close game. I mean, Queens, Queens played really, really well. So it could have gone either way. So. I think we were just very thankful to have won that game and to have gotten a chance to play in the final. So what was, did you sleep okay the night before the national championship? <laughs> what was that night like? <laughs> yes, I did. I took some melatonin and I was all good. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you know you're going to face the top team in the country, the Ryerson Rams, who almost lost the semifinal. They had to beat Brock in overtime. And I wonder yeah. if Brock had won. Maybe you guys beat Brock. I don't know. But when did you sense that it was going to be trouble against Ryerson yesterday. Um, I mean, they started out really strong, but obviously I don't think, I don't think at any point we gave up. Uh, maybe when there was a minute or two left in the fourth quarter, it was, it was kind of the realization like, okay, doesn't look like we're going to win this one, but um, I don't think we gave up at any point throughout the game, but Ryerson, I mean, they played amazing. So credit to them for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, you had it cut to eight at the half, and then they came out in the third and, and made a bunch of shots, and then it was kind of off to the races from there. You were yeah. the Westmen were one of twenty from three. The Ryerson Rams mm-hmm. were fourteen of thirty-three. I mean, that's that's tough to defend. Yeah. If if they're going to hit that many shots, it's going to be hard to win, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a bit of a uncharacteristic shooting night from us, and then outstanding shooting from them. So you know that is tough, um, but. Those nights happen, and it is what it is. So you get two silver medals from this season, one in, in conference and one in the national championship. Obviously, you would have loved gold, but that's still a remarkable accomplishment, is it not? Yeah, it is. It is. It's just it's hard when you feel like you're that close to getting gold. But obviously, yeah, out of – I mean, to get silver at uh, the U Sport national championships, that's a great accomplishment. It's just – it's tough. Right. Yeah, of course. And then obviously now Keelan and, and Faith are, are graduating out. Mm-hmm. How, what was that night like for, for you as a team? Was there a lot of hugs or a lot of tears? What was it like in the locker room after the game? Yeah, um, definitely a lot of tears, a lot of hugs, but you know, we have nothing but love for each other. Um, and it was a great season, even though it wasn't the end we wanted. So, what is uh, what does the rest of your year look like now that this incredible journey is kind of abruptly over? I I know I feel like I've barely had time, it, but I mean, um, still have school for about a month. Um, definitely, I think we're all going to take some time, rest up. Uh, I mean, it's been a long season, so I think our bodies do need the rest. But then, um, in a month or so, can't wait to get back on the court and get back at it again. Is it tough to do schoolwork today after yesterday? What happened? Yes. Yes. I have to say I have not done any yet, but I'm hoping to get some done. When you have a a big tournament like that, does your schoolwork pile up? Um, Sometimes. I mean, we do try to stay on top of it. Uh, Tanya 
really, really pushes us to stay on top of it. But it is hard just because you do have such a busy schedule when you're on the road. Winnipeg Jets back in action Wednesday night. They are hosting the Detroit Red Wings. And to preview the last few weeks of the season for the Jets is Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Murat, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, Christian. How are you? I'm doing well. So the Jets' playoff odds are poor. They've been poor for a while now. They're not technically eliminated yet. Six points back with 12 games to go. Scale of 1 to 10, Murat, how optimistic are you that the Jets will make the playoffs? One being a no. I'm pretty close to a one at this stage. I mean, with 76 points, they're behind Dallas, who has 81 points, and who has played two fewer games. So that's five points behind and two extra games played for Winnipeg. And then Vegas is one point ahead of the Stars yet uh, with one more game played than Winnipeg. So there's quite a lot of ground to cover up. There's two teams that they need to pass. And the quality of hockey has been such that You know, there are times when very, very good teams control the play and they create tons of chances. And for whatever reason, at the end of the game, you know, they hit a post, they miss the net, the other goalie was incredible, et cetera, et cetera. They lose. Well, this isn't that. The Jets aren't dominating. The Jets are absolutely in games, but certainly not in control of them. And with that many points to catch up, that's that's really not good enough. It's tough to believe in right now. No, and... At no point has there been the, a stretch of steady play where you'd think, oh, this team's about to get on a roll, right? They've, they've won three games in a row just twice in, in 2022. And they had that brief winning streak snapped in Toronto, and then they come home to the Kings. And what is it, Murat? Do you, can you put your finger on why they've had so many really bad starts to games? I mean, that's such a unique problem to have. And I, I really can't put my finger on exactly why. But we've watched for a couple of weeks now where every first period we're sort of doing the when is Winnipeg going to get its first shot and of course there was that one game against Vegas where fans gave the Jets a Bronx cheer when Winnipeg finally got their first shot on goal I mean a sarcastic bit of applause that Blake Wheeler later said you know got the team going motivated them and helped them actually come back and take over that game well a week later against vegas it was exactly the same thing it was most of the first period was done before the jets got their first shot on goal and they won both of those games they've been able to win a couple of games despite these horrible starts and if they had the answer we would assume that by now we wouldn't be seeing this anymore is it a lack of motivation from the coach is it a lack of uh, preparation on behalf of the players they seem to get hemmed in uh you know quite severely for the first 10 minutes of every game they play and that's not really a recipe for for uh, a winning team despite the fact they've been able to win a couple of the games these past couple of weeks well yeah they survived the game in buffalo after a really bad start there's even the most recent game Saturday, right? They get outshot 19-6 in the first period by the LA Kings. They never led in that game. They trailed the whole way. And so it was just, oh, this is just going to be this all over again. And that's got to be so uninspiring if you're a fan of the team to see, oh, this it just keeps happening over and over again. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, fans' patience would definitely have been tested. And the idea of these lackluster starts and us seeing them over and over again. I wonder how it feels to be a player at this point. You know, one bad bounce, one poor shift. 
it doesn't seem to take a lot for the Jets to go into not again mode. You know, they've seen this script before, and it's really only been through some pretty superlative goaltending and through some nice finishing as well that they've won at all of late. And they are 6-4-0 in their last 10. That's good, but it's not, you know, they're going to need to run the table on the 12 games they have left, by which I mean at least 10 wins, probably 11 or 12, to get themselves into the playoffs. They've only won four games in a row one time all season. Uh, the odds uh, of them suddenly turning that around uh, with these starts and even with these finishes are awfully low right now. And they've got a pretty tough schedule coming up, and the Stars don't. So that's another thing to throw in there, too. So with 12 games left, they're obviously not going to be actually mathematically eliminated for probably another two weeks, but the writing is just about on the wall. So do you think they'll hesitate to to do any kind of grand experimentation with the season out of, or the playoffs out of reach just to, just to see how things look because they have these games to play with, or are they just going to ride it out with the kind of the main lineup they have right now? Well, it seems to me that with these jets, you know, I'll take an example of having uh, you know, back to back game situation where, you know, they play against Buffalo and against Toronto in consecutive nights they tend to do things that as much as possible serve the immediate, you know, uh, start, start uh, Connor Hellebuck early, um, play your first line, big, big minutes against Toronto. I mean, my goodness, the minutes that the first line played, the fourth line got out there for a few minutes, each kind of thing. So the Jets are still coaching and playing as if winning each and every game is the, is the target. Until they're mathematically eliminated, I don't expect that we're going to see a whole swath of prospects come up from the farm, um, not just because Winnipeg is still mathematically in it and will probably hold on to that longer than I think some fans might want them to, but also because Manitoba is in the middle of a stretch run and you know on their way to what should be a really good playoff drive. I'm not sure that there's going to be a whole lot of interest in disrupting what's going on with the Moose in the name of getting some of these guys an NHL look just to send them back to the Moose for the AHL playoffs. So I wonder if what we see, other than a few more games for Ville Hanela, a few more games for Logan Stanley, um, and Cole Perfetti's not available right now either. He, he hasn't been skating while he's been rehabbing from, a, from an injury. Um, so I wonder if what we see is what we get, all to say. And I'm not sure there's going to be this big youth movement necessarily between now and the end of the season. Yeah, with the Calder Cup playoffs coming up for the Moose, that might be the main focus for them. But for Billy Handel, as far as he's concerned, I think he's he's had some pretty good performances over the last couple of weeks. There's a the odd blip here or there, and he's barely 20, so that's going to happen. And he doesn't have a ton of NHL experience, so some patience is definitely warranted. But do you think that he should be getting more ice time than he's been getting? And I guess it might have to come at the expense of Logan Stanley. But if so, what would you think of that? I think it would be a nice move on Winnipeg's part to rotate those guys in. Uh, you know, Logan Stanley has earned an NHL job. Billy Hanela has also earned an NHL job. And they're both fighting for the same team in the same future. It's not really one against the other, even though it is for ice time. Jets fans would ideally be most thrilled if both of these guys work out. And Hanel is at the point where he's playing quality minutes, where I don't see any reason for him to come out of the lineup now that Nate Schmidt is back and healthy. So that's an interesting decision that Dave Lowry has to make. Um, it may be that Winnipeg's able to rest some banged up guys. I know, I think Neil Pionk's been looking pretty 
good of late, but there was a long stretch where he was banged up. He wasn't taking morning skates. If there's anybody with a nagging injury of any kind, this would be a nice chance to get both young Hanela and slightly less young Logan Stanley into the lineup at once. Um, the thing that I noticed today at practice, uh, I'll tell you this, Christian, is that the amount of veterans taking time out of their you know, post-practice skate to check in with Hanela to play play around a little bit, to pass some pucks back and forth. Neil Pionk and Hanela were setting each other up for one-timers, which would be a nice look on that second power play. You had Paul Stastny come by, come by and uh, they were working on backhand passes together. This was stuff after practice's formal component was done, and it was veteran guys sort of making the young finish, uh, the young man uh, a part of the team. And I think that this is even more integrated at any point than that he's been so far. That's Hanela. And I think that the veterans like um, like Paul Stastny, like Nate Schmidt, like Brendan Dillon are showing their chops in terms of who they are in the room and on the ice by by making him feel that way. Hopefully what all of this leads to is continued performance, continued growth, development, and all the things that are going to help make next year's version of the Jets something closer to playoff ready. And that's one of the great shames of the season is that Cole Perfetti got hurt because that would probably be happening with him too at this point in the season. I agree with that. Yeah. Cole Perfetti came out of the all-star break. I don't want to say on fire. It wasn't like he was a point per game necessarily, but he was productive on that second line with Connor and Dubois. And the other thing that really changed for me after the all-star break, even though there wasn't many, there weren't many games part of me before he got hurt on that Jamie Oleksiak hit was his game has always been so cerebral. He processes the game slightly faster than his opponents do. So he's not a big guy. He doesn't move faster than his opponents do, but he's one step ahead decision-making wise. And at the AHL level, he's elite. He's one of the AHL's best forwards. At the NHL level, we're looking for that moment where things progressively click. And I think in terms of how he was processing the passes he was making, the plays he was making, he had taken one major leap in that direction right out of that all-star break. And that timing of his injury against Seattle was definitely unfortunate. We'll see if he sneaks onto the ice for a couple of games before the end of the season, but it seems to be unlikely based on talking to Dave Lowry today. So as someone who covers a team for a living, at what point, or have you already started, looking ahead to the offseason and thinking about grand changes that might need to be made and focusing less on the present moment with the team that's not going to make the playoffs? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It's one I'm asking myself because... I always plan off-season content in advance, and it's interesting at The Athletic, some of our off-season content does extremely well. When I look at you know depth charts, roster moves, uh, the Seattle expansion draft last summer, free agency trades, you know, fans are dialed in, and Winnipeg Jets fans in this community really know what the next step is, and, and they want to get to discussing it. So that's always kind of been a priority, but at the same time, Unless you count 2020, which was interrupted by the pandemic, and then there was the qualification round, this is the first time I've been on the scene where the Jets will have missed the playoffs. So that gives things a, a greater sense of urgency, I think, a greater sense of this need to assess what went wrong, because I think on paper we all believe this was a playoff team when the season began. Then partway through, their coach leaves. You start to see their top center uh, not having a defensive impact that would be worthy of most top centers in the NHL. Uh, you start to see these signs that maybe things aren't necessarily quite right. And 
without having claimed a playoff spot, one begins to wonder about Dave Lowry's future. Is he just an interim coach? Is he part of the mix coming uh, next season? Will there be big changes at that level? Will there be changes at the assistant coach level? Will there be some of the major players that have been important, important pieces of the Winnipeg Jets? Will they move on? Because as of this summer, Mark Shively, for example, only has two years left on his current contract, as does Blake Wheeler, as does Connor Hellebuck, as does Dylan DeMello. So it's possible that depending on what Winnipeg decides went wrong, the the team that we see in September is very different from the one that we see at the end of April. And I think for a lot of fans, they probably feel like that might be necessary because there's been a lot of tinkering, a lot of kind of status quoing with this team, but it's been kind of a steady downward move since Dustin Bufflin left. Yeah, that would be the general trend. Since Dustin Bufflin left, there was 2020, which was just a horrible season, but Connor Hellebuck was amazing. Um, Last season went a whole lot better, but it was still just uh, sort of a baby step in terms of overall quality of play. And there have been times this season where the Jets have looked like an improved team, but we know, like we talked about to kick off, that it hasn't been good enough. There are several points back, not enough games to make up that ground. So there's a real sense of, of what went wrong. And for me, the, the questions that need to be answered if you're Kevin Dayoff, if you're Mark Chipman, are, is this about players not having bought in and, and felt accountable? Because sometimes we see some of the star players, like Mark Stifley, cheat. 50-50 plays, he'll turn up ice before the puck is safe. And when your best player or a player who should be your best player is doing that, that has to have a ripple effect. And um, whether it's just about that, whether it's about players who could have better performances under different coaching or whether the team that's been built hasn't been good enough or isn't a good enough job on Kevin Shevoldayoff's part. I mean, sorting out exactly what is still quality and what isn't, because I assure you there's plenty of quality in that room still. Um, those are going to be the decisions, whether it's about revamping coaching or making some big changes to the roster. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. Of course, we'll have a lot to talk about. The offseason isn't here yet. Jets still have 12 games left, including Wednesday against Detroit. But nonetheless, it's something to definitely start thinking about. Marat, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this as always. Thank you, Christian. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that they should come to this. Show.